Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Would you help us see Jesus in these Psalms? Uh, Would you help us see who you are and what you've done for us uh, in the person of Christ as we look to these ancient, beautiful, and powerful songs and prayers? And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 40. So I want to encourage you to grab a Bible. There's some Bibles in the seat backs near you if you need one or pull it up on your phone. Uh, Psalm 40 is what we're going to look at briefly this morning, Psalm 40. And as you're turning there, I'm just uh, curious Just as a little informal poll, you can raise your hand. I'm curious, how many of you have ever experienced deja vu? How many of you have ever experienced deja vu? Okay, I'd say probably a little over half of the room. Just just for fun, how many of you are having deja vu right now? Okay, all right, I didn't see any hands. Just I thought that would be really amazing if that was happening right now. but, but deja vu, it turns out, is, is a fairly common human experience. It, it, scientists estimate about two-thirds of the human population experiences something like deja vu. Now, deja vu uh, simply is French for already seen. And, and the idea is that you're, you're having this experience, that you're seeing something that you've already seen, and you're seeing it again. And yet you know that you couldn't possibly have seen it or experienced it before. So it's this really kind of disturbing feeling, but it usually only lasts for like maybe a second or two, uh, and then you kind of move on. Uh, It's interesting. uh, Research has shown that you actually experience this more often when you're younger, so 20s and 30s, it's more frequent, and when you're very stressed or very tired. Uh, A lot of it has to do with what's going on in your brain. There's a little glitch that kind of happens uh, there. And I, and I thought of this idea of, of seeing something you've already seen, this sense of deja vu, uh, because in Psalm 40, uh, which is written by King David, we believe, he's almost having this spiritual sense of deja vu. He, he's having this moment where he says, oh, something's happening, and now it's happening again. Uh, something's happened in my life, and, and a version of it is happening again. And so David is driven by this deep sense that he's been where he is before. He's been here in this place. And so the question is, as we read Psalm 40, where is he? Where is he? As we enter into the psalm, how do we enter into David's mindset, the the place of his heart? Where is he as he writes this beautiful, compelling, powerful psalm to the Lord? And the answer is actually found in the psalm itself. He's in this really hard place, and we get a glimpse of that really difficult place in verse 12. So in 40.12, it says this, For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. My heart fails me, right? This overwhelming sense David has of this difficulty that he's facing, this difficult moment. That's not where the psalm begins, but that is the place that David starts from. And so what we have is we have buried here in the middle of this psalm is a glimpse into his heart condition that's going to help us understand the remainder of the psalm. That his present experience is what composes this prayer. And it will help us see that. So I wonder, 
as you hear these verses, as you read this description of what he's feeling, can you relate? Can you connect? Uh, one of the things I love about the Psalms is that they invite us into them uh, because in some ways they're very personal and yet they're so universal. The invitation is, oh, I can connect. I can relate to what Dave is saying here. I've I, I felt like I've been surrounded. I've felt like I've got problems that are overwhelming me. I've felt like I can't really see the way out or the way forward. I've I felt like my heart is just going to give up. I've felt all those things. My guess is you have too. Uh, it's, it's part of life. It's part of being human. Maybe for you it was financial. I can't see where the money's going to come from. And it just felt overwhelming. Maybe it's been relational recently. Maybe it's a broken friendship. Maybe it's a, a marriage that feels like it's disintegrating and struggling. You can't figure out how to get out of it, how to move forward. You feel like David says earlier in the psalm, like you're in this pit of despair. Maybe for you it's an addiction that just seems to own you. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you white knuckle it, you can't figure it out. And so David invites us to connect at a heart level with this situation. Evils have encompassed me. I cannot see. My heart fails me. David is speaking from a deep hole. He's speaking from a place of fear and discouragement and hopelessness. His heart, he says, is failing him. That's where he is when he writes this psalm. Uh, it, I thought of Mark chapter 4 because to me it's a storm. He's in that place, right? He is in the midst of a storm. It is swirling around him. These are real troubles. And so to that I can relate. I think we can all relate. We've all been there. And not just once. We've been there again and again. And so here's the good news of Psalm 40 for people like us, people who experience this on a regular basis. Psalm 40 actually is a prayer for people facing hard times. It's a prayer we can put on our lips and pray to the Lord who loves us and knows us and invites us to bring ourselves to him in the storms of life. So in a way, Psalm 40, I think, is almost like a, a guide. It's a roadmap uh, for how we endure, and not just endure, but make it through hard times, difficult times. So in Psalm 40, I wanna suggest that God actually gives us three steps uh, or three ways that we can kind of enter into moments like this that will help us navigate the hardest moments of our life. And I, and I just came up with a simple acronym. Uh, I don't do this a whole lot, but I, I thought it would be helpful uh, to pray this simple acronym. And basically what I wanna call this is raw prayer, R-A-W prayer. When you're in a raw moment in life, you can pray a raw prayer. And raw meaning remember, ask, worship. So if you find yourself in this space that David is, uh, is experiencing, you can pray Raw, R-A-W. So let's just look at these really quick. Remember. So in the psalm, this is how David begins Psalm 40. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. David is in this place of despair and darkness, and yet what is he doing? He's remembering. He's remembering. David is going through something really hard, and his first step through it is to remember. He says, wait, wait, deja vu. I've been here before. I've been in this place before. This is not new for me. Different circumstances, sure, but, but similar feelings of being alone, 
feeling afraid, feeling overwhelmed, feeling discouraged. This spiritual pit he's in, he's been there before. And he remembers. I love that it says at the beginning, he waited patiently. He waited patiently. Think about what that means. Think about what that means in David's experience. That tells me that these hard times that he was going through weren't just fleeting. It wasn't just a moment and then it was over. It endured. And in fact, what it tells me is there was a gap, right, between his feelings of suffering and despair and God's response, God's move. There was a gap. There's a space where he had to wait patiently. He cried out and God answered, but it took a while. And I think, isn't that the battle for all of us? Isn't that a place where we battle and we strive for faith between the suffering and the brokenness and the hurt and God responding? It's, we find ourselves in that middle space, crying out to God, and we have to wait patiently. We have to wait patiently. There are moments in that moment and moments where we experience this, where we ask questions like I'm sure David asked. God, are you going to come through? I'm crying out to you. You haven't come through yet. Are you going to? Lord, are you going to deliver? Are you going to to bring me through this? And it took patience and it took waiting and it took trust that he would. And the beautiful thing about the story that David is telling here in Psalm 40 is that he did. God did come through. God did deliver him. He answered his cry. I know in my times of crisis and difficulty, um, I can often get so focused on the moment, the trouble, the problem, the hurt, the pain, the loss. I can get so focused on that, I, I can lose perspective. And I can forget or even deny, I have the capacity to deny what God has already done for me. I can fail to remember in those moments. And this is not something that's unique to us. This is humanity. <laughs> this is the story of Israel. If you read through the Old Testament, you see examples of God's people forgetting and forgetting and forgetting all that God had done for them and having to be reminded and reminded and reminded. Deuteronomy 8, God commanded them, be careful, be careful, my people, that you do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery, it says. In your troubles, don't forget what I've already done. I've already delivered you. And he had to say that because they kept forgetting. They kept forgetting and forgetting. And we forget too. I forget what God's done. So when we feel stressed and scared and discouraged, we forget. It's just what we do. And one of the things we can do in hard times in life is remember. It's remember. Specifically, we can remember God's faithful acts in our lives, how he's demonstrated his love for us. And we can remember his faithful promises, specifically his word, the scriptures, Forget not all of God's benefits, for example, Psalm 103 says. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, Psalm 119.11. Remember, remember, remember. Praying the Psalms, in fact, will help you remember. This is one of the great joys and the gifts. If you've taken me up on my challenge to read the Psalms daily, one of the things I want to encourage you with is it helps you remember. What do I mean it helps you remember? It helps you remember God even in the face of your trials and your tribulations. I love what Eugene Peterson says about the Psalms. He says basically that the Psalms teach us to remember 
that most of our lives, if we just think through the, the, the movie reel of our lives, if we really thought through what had happened, we would see that it consists of all these things that God has done. We would see all the ways that God's been at work in our lives. Oh, thanks, Siri. Um, we would see all the ways that God has been involved in our life. He says uh, basically that God has created us, right? That God has always been speaking to us and over us, that he loves us, that he's demonstrated that again and again and again, the experiences of our lives. If we remember that, um, then we'll be able to endure through these difficult times. And that's what the Psalms do. They remind us of what God has done. He sums it up this way. He says, Peterson says in the Psalms, he says, prayer through the Psalms matures us into the practice of memory. I love that. The Psalms actually mature us, form us, shape us into people who remember, who remember. And so I just want to encourage you to set aside some time to remember this week. Remember what God has done in your life. Remember the times that he heard your cry. Remember the times that he lifted you up and put your feet on the rock. Remember when he gave you a new song. Maybe today you're feeling discouraged. You're in one of these moments of difficulty. I want to encourage you. Don't focus just on the moment. Look back and remember the story of your life and where God has been and how he's been faithful before. So remember. So first, remember. Second, quickly, ask. Ask. So we remember and then we ask. Look at what David says in verse 13. Be pleased, O Lord. He says, to deliver me, O Lord, make haste to help me. God's past faithfulness, in other words, provides the foundation for David's faithful request. Lord, you've done it before. I now stand before you. Will you do it again? Save me. Save me. He asks, and he can ask this God who he knows and has experienced in the past. He can ask him, and he can ask him because he knows that that God has heard him before, and he will hear him again. He asks because he knows he can cry out to this benevolent, uh, sovereign God that he knows. And so he cries out. He asks God to deliver him. Life will remind you in the harshest ways possible that you are not in control. Right? Live long enough and you will know that. Your future is not in your own hands. It's not even in the hands of people around you. It's in the hands of God. It ultimately is in his hands, his good and powerful hands. And for his followers of Jesus, that's comforting. That's our comfort in difficult times. But it can also be really hard to believe in difficult times. Why would God let this happen? Why didn't God do something? Where was the Lord in my time of trial and loss? When David cries out, it strikes me that he does so incredibly boldly. He tells the Lord, come quickly. Come and save me. Help me. It's this raw request from, from his heart, he's asking, and in the midst of it, you almost get the sense of his struggle. He's, he's fighting to have faith that God is good and that God is sovereign and that he can trust the Lord. And so he calls out to him, even in questions he doesn't know how to answer. 
and can't possibly understand. Asking God for help in times of trouble can be a struggle. It can be difficult, which is why remembering God's past faithfulness can give us confidence in the present to cry out. Remembering his past faithfulness can give us the courage to cry out from our own pit of darkness. Even when we don't even know what to pray, we can just cry out to him, help me, save me, come quickly. Crying out to God, I would say, takes great courage. It takes great courage in the dark moments of life. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. So the Lord invites us to to remember, invites us to ask him for what we need. And then finally, he um, he invites us to worship here in Psalm 40. So remember, ask, worship. You know what the easiest thing to do for me is when times are really hard? The easiest thing is to complain, (laughs) right? To complain, When life is hard, it's so easy to kind of get caught up in this idea. It's just not fair. Why is this happening? Why me? Why now? Why here? Why has this happened to the person I love? It's not fair. And and you spin on that for long enough, and you know what it kicks out is it kicks out resentment, bitterness, anger. It'll wheel over and over in your brain until it gets you to a place of entitlement, I don't deserve this. I deserve better. And so entitlement and resentment build and build and build within so many of our hearts, which is what makes David's prayer here, his response to his own pit of destruction, so remarkable to me. What does he do? He doesn't complain to the Lord. He's honest about how difficult things are, and we should be honest. God invites us to be honest, but he doesn't complain here. He's actually grateful how bizarre (laughs) i wish i could say that's the that's the automatic default response when i'm having a hard time is man i am so grateful this really stinks this is awesome thank you lord but that's not that's not where i where i end up so often i want to complain and so it stands out listen to what david says let me just highlight a few verses verse three it says he put a new song in my mouth a song of praise this is coming out of of the miry pit, he's saying this. He's saying in verse five, you've multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Verse nine, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. May those who love salvation say continually, great is the Lord. David cannot stop worshiping God, even in the midst of his trials. And the more that he focuses on God's past faithfulness, it seems to me, the more grateful he becomes in his present darkness. Somehow for David, looking to God's past faithfulness alters his perspective and God becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, even as his very real troubles become smaller and smaller and smaller. He's not pretending This isn't stick your head in the sand and pretend like life's gonna be fine. He's not pretending life isn't hard. He's asking God for a heavenly perspective on his life. 
one of the things that I've really come to appreciate is the privilege I have as a pastor of getting to sit down with people over coffee or sit in one of our life groups, uh, of talking with people about the real problems of their life, hearing their stories, and getting to hear in their stories of the ways that God has answered their prayers, the ways that God has moved in their life in powerful ways to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring deliverance. And one of the things that occurs to me here is that David repeatedly talks about the fact that not only is he worshiping this, but he's testifying. He says, I'm going to tell everybody about what God has done for me. He testifies. And so his gratitude not only draws him to worship, but it also moves him to proclaim God's goodness to others. I think it's a powerful instrument in God's hands, right? that he would actually allow us to go through these trials and tribulations, that he would deliver us, and then he does so, so that we might have a testimony, that we might be able to tell others of what God has done for us, so that it not only builds our faith, but it builds the faith of others. I also don't think it's any coincidence that some of the sweetest and most powerful times of worship in my life have been in some of the hardest times of my life. It's been God's stirring gratitude for his faithfulness that then exploded within me in worship. So Psalm 40, I think, is a roadmap to this, that it can help us navigate the hardest moments of life, raw prayer, remember, ask, worship. So I want to encourage you to take up that tool. If you're in a difficult place, if you're looking to, to try to navigate something that's really hard, remember what God has done for you. Ask him to help you. Worship him in gratitude. In the end, David knows that he needs more than uh, a clever acronym, though. He needs more than remembering and asking and worship. The psalm ends with him acknowledging his own frailty and failure. He says, I am poor and needy. I'm poor and needy. You are my help and my deliverer. Don't delay. Don't delay, God. He humbly acknowledges his own frailty and failure. He knows he's poor and needy, and that's us. That's us. We are poor and needy. We are poor and needy in our sin and our brokenness, and we too find ourselves in a spiritual pit of destruction, in this miry bog of eternal separation from God our Father. Apart from God, we have no hope of rescuing ourselves, of overcoming our selfish and rebellious hearts. Listen to what um, Ephesians 2 says. This is from the message. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this. He says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in the pit of your old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immersed in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. And then he picked us up and he set our feet on the rock in the highest heaven in the company of Jesus, our Messiah. God in his mercy never leaves us in the pit of despair and sin. He actually sent his own son. Psalm 40 looks forward to the day when 
poor and needy sinners can look to Jesus Christ as the means of grace and the hope of glory. That no matter what happens in our lives through faith in Christ, we have been delivered and we will be delivered. Our suffering is real but fleeting in the light of eternity. Death is not the end. The grave cannot hold us. Our hope is secure. We live life together with God forever. That's where this is going. And so in Christ, we too, like David, with Psalm 40, can sing a new song, a song of our salvation, a song of hope, a song of praise to our God, the God of mercy, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise. Lord, thank you for the ways that you have entered into our darkness. Lord, that you have ministered to us even in the most difficult moments. And so, Lord, we have something that we can look back to. We have things that we can remember. Lord, I pray that memory would stir faith in us that we might be free to ask you boldly for your help again. And Lord Jesus, that in this life, we would know that we have so much to be grateful for. Lord, that in this life, we have so much to give you praise for. And then we might be able to testify to your goodness and faithfulness in our lives for your praise and for your glory. Amen. 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 Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.